Hello. Gosh, it's September. You sound very chipper for 10pm. Yes, I know. I am cradling a bottle of Angry Orchard Cider, not a sponsorship. I got up at 3am. It is 10pm now. So, (laughs) uh, you know, it's been some time. I have spent the whole day bird watching. Okay. So I'm in that still, you know, the immediate post bird watching euphoria. I'm going to crash and burn at any point right now. Okay. Well, I mean, at least make it through the podcast. That would be good. Yes. We are talking 14 hours apart. Yes. You in the future, I in the past. Correct. And can we also add the bit about how you are using your onboard microphone? I am. So the sound is going to be a little bit shittier. Yeah. Such is life. Such is life. Yeah. So you are back in Albuquerque. Yes. And 14 hours apart is one of the worst time differences, I think. It really is. I mean, the only worst way to do this is if I was in what, Hawaii or something, which is... I don't even know what the time 18? difference is. It would be... Right, it I think it would be 20. 18, I think. Yeah. I think it would be Some 20, ridiculous. actually. Yeah. Okay. I mean, LA is quite bad, but there's still some overlap, I think. 14 is very difficult. One of the weirdest windows, I think, overlapping. Yeah. I mean, I guess on a more typical weekend, if you didn't have anything else to do on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. we could probably do like my morning, your evening. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. Well, that's it's different. been quite hard because, I mean, you know, for the last year and a half, I've been doing classes in Singapore on New Mexico yeah. time. <laughs> yes, so you know all about that. Which getting up at 3 a.m., you know, sleeping at noon and stuff like that or sleeping at 6am waking up at noon yeah, um, no. and unfortunately I'm no longer doing classes I'm not doing classes in Singapore time but I still have to attend meetings in Singapore time and um, some of these are like you know government engagement sessions which is arguably worse because work hours are a lot less flexible than student hours no. so those meetings tend to occur after office hours because it's ah. you know, with the environmental community right okay sort of after work stuff so in Singapore time, it's about 6 p.m. usually, but that's mm, 4 a.m. 4 a.m., yeah. Yeah, so my sleep cycle is a bit of a mess right now because I'm also teaching, you know, and, mm. and I'm doing one class, which is a very heavy class, unfortunately. But eh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll get by. These Singapore time meetings are infrequent, thankfully. Okay, that's good. And I don't know that on my end, there is not much exciting, to be honest. <laughs> 500 cases a day, yeah. Oh yeah, there is that. But, well, okay, I was going to say I'm not leaving the house, but actually I did leave the house yesterday. I went for lunch with my family, which I do every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Shang-Chi. So it is there was an interesting that. movie, yeah? It is interesting, although I would prefer not to talk about it for two reasons. Right, uh-huh. One is that we are still in the spoiler zone. Oh yes, of course. Right? The no, other- I just want to say. Uh-huh. It is so rare to see a Hollywood movie with four languages that we all speak. Okay, I count English and Mandarin Chinese. What else are you thinking? There was one line of Hokkien and one line of Malay. (laughs) Right, okay. Okay. I guess. Yeah, so you know, it counts. Yeah. Yeah, but the other reason I don't really want to talk about it right now is because... Let me just say it right. Like, I enjoyed it. I, I liked it a lot better than Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, which very it will inevitably so, yes. get compared to, right? Yes, very much so. Although I also think if that's because... Let's think because, because, what, 50% of the cast overlap? Is not it 50%? 50%? 20%. 20% of the I mean, it, I, yeah, it's not that many, but yeah. Yeah. But I also think, I mean, Chang-Chi has an advantage, right? In the sense that 
the culture is integral, but it's not the main focus, right? In yes. Crazy Rich Asian, the whole thing is like, oh, culture clash, but yeah. ugh, okay, whatever. Anyway, anyway, moving on. Um, but the third reason is oh. we are still oh. in that phase of like every, it has a bit of a halo around it right now. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same thing as when, you know, Black Panther came out or when the first Iron Man came out, like nobody can talk. Rap, yeah. It's like, yeah, still it's like oh, this is a, yeah, this is a whole amazing thing and it yeah. becomes very dichotomous. Like you either love this movie or you hate this movie and no movie is 100% lovable or 100% awful. Okay, there are some 100% right. awful ones, but <laughs> but it's just like, I would like to leave that conversation aside because I think we're still in that zone where some people feel the movie can do no wrong and some people feel yeah. like, oh, you are overrating this movie because of the cultural element. And I just... That is totally fair. Yeah, it's fair, but I don't want to have that conversation right now. I don't want to wade into that debate. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, fair enough. Exactly. So yeah, I did leave my house. I would say at risk of catching COVID, which I mean, I'm vaccinated. So yeah, it's 81% right. of Singapore. Mm-hmm. And yet 5,500 odd cases a day, which is quite scary. Yeah, yeah. The authorities are reducing quarantine from 14 to 10 days. Do you hear about that? Oh, I had some inkling of that, yes. Yeah, so the quarantine period is coming down to 10 days. At 10 days, you do a test. And then day 11, 12, 13, and 14, you do ARTs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, ART being antigen rapid test. So yes. if you test negative on those days, then you can go out, right? If you test mm-hmm. positive, then I guess you are back in quarantine. Yeah, and the number of cases is rising very fast, but yes. the number of ICU cases is going up slower. Not slowly, but slower. Mm-hmm. I think it's still manageable. It's still lower than the recent peak. And mostly among senior citizens. Yes, but there was just a cluster that emerged at Chinatown Complex. So that's not going to be good. Yes, I've heard about that. Yeah, And well, Chinatown Complex is mostly old people. Yeah. It's It's a lot of old people. Not mostly. It's a a fuck ton of old people. Basically, if you're below a certain age, you don't go there unless it's with your parents. Or for food. Or for food, yeah. Yeah, so anyway. All right. I've been bird watching the whole day, so I've got plenty of bird shit to talk about. <laughs> you sure you want to talk about bird shit? Not shit per se, but it's interesting because I was today... Okay, I did spend the last weekend. So last weekend in the US was Labor Day, long yes. weekend. So Monday was a public holiday. So I accompanied the ornithology undergrad class on their big epic birding road trip. Mm-hmm. It's about 20 students. We packed two vans, just under 20 students actually. Two okay. vans and we camped out in the desert for two nights. It was a lot of fun. We drove from Albuquerque down just shy of Texas. And then we looked back around Alamogordo. Alamogordo being where the first nuclear bomb was ever detonated. Yep. Yes. Right? A historically very important site. And then mm-hmm. back up to Albuquerque again. It was a lot of fun. And then today, having an itchy backside, my friends and I said, let's go birdwashing again. <laughs> um, partly because okay. right, it is well I mean it's still summer technically but fall migration has already started right so many of these birds that breed in the far northern hemisphere Canada okay. northern latitudes are starting to migrate down to the south right and so now is when everything is passing through okay although today's impetus for bird watching was not a traditional north-south migrant today's impetus for bird watching was because a a gull that's normally found in Mexico, in and around Baja California, uh, was seen at 
uh, Lake Sumner, which is near Fort Sumner, which people, mm-hmm. uh, students of American culture will know is famous of people like Billy the Kid. Like, like what? Oh, Billy the Kid, okay. Bi- Billy the Kid, the famous outlaw. Mm-hmm. Yes, but there's a big lake there called Lake Sumner and a yellow-footed gull, which is normally seen in Mexico, uh, was spotted there. So my friends and I said, all right, let's do the two and a half hour drive out there. And while we're out there, we'll just do this crazy drive around um, eastern New Mexico, which is okay. sort of, in terms of habitat, very, very different from northern or southern New Mexico. Okay. So New Mexico is an interesting place for various reasons. Uh, people think, ah, it's New Mexico, it must be mostly desert, but that's not true. The northern part of New Mexico is sort of the southern extent of the Rockies, so it's mountain. Mm-hmm, yep. The southern part of New Mexico is the Chihuahuan Desert, so it's true desert habitat. But the eastern part of New Mexico is part of the Great Plains. So it's prairie. Right. Right. You know, open flat. It's a great expanse of flat. (laughs) It's fields and not fields per se in the way we know it, but it's like, you know, huge plains of sort of scrubby, grassy vegetation. Right. It extends as far as the eye can see. So because the eastern side of New Mexico is mostly plains, it's mostly prairie, there aren't Mm -hmm. actually many trees. So if there is a spot where there's a clump of trees, all the birds cluster there. Ends up in there. Yes. Right. So that's called a migrant trap. So we went to this migrant trap <laughs> called Melrose. Okay. And it's literally a clump of trees. It's not very big. I can walk around it in five minutes. <laughs> it's that small. Right. But there's a ton of trees there. And so all the migrants just end up in there. And some weird shit shows up in there once in a while as well. All right. Um, and it's a lot of fun, right? Um, you know, you just walk around. So fortunately or unfortunately, New Mexico has been experiencing rather unusual weather this season. So I think you've heard of the heat bomb that happened in the Pacific Northwest, right? I actually have not. What was that about? Okay. So this year has been particularly bad in terms of the weather. Um, the Pacific uh-huh. Northwest has been extremely hot and dry. You know, mm-hmm. forest fires and everything. It's, this is an ongoing trend. The Southwest is experiencing one of the longest droughts in history Um, and the Pacific Northwest in addition as well. I think it's also partly because it's a La Nina year. That's why the Southeast Asia is wet and the West Coast of the United States is dry. Okay. I just Googled heat bomb and I got thermobaric weapon. Uh, Well, that's different. Uh, I don't think that has happened yet. (laughs) But anyway, oh no, heat bomb, heat dome, I believe the term was. Heat dome. Okay, let's see. Okay, I, I'm just going to use my very clicky clacky keyboard. One second. Yes. Heat but dome in any 2021. Case, yep. Yes. Because of this heat dome, the state of New Mexico has been experiencing an especially strong monsoon season. So okay. it's been raining a ton. Uh-huh. But this being, of course, the desert, all the water evaporates really quickly or right. disappears into the ground really quickly. But because there's a lot more water falling down into the ground, a lot more plants have been growing. I think plants have been growing like crazy. The desert is much greener than it's ever been, right? That's interesting. Uh, And one plant that I have come to hate with a passion is called the sand burr. Um, Uh, Okay. It is, as the name suggests, it grows in sandy conditions and it produces these very, very spiky burrs. Sand burr is a common name for several plants and may refer to... Cancris, centris, uh, centris, I don't know, or xanthium. Is it the grass? I don't know exactly which one it is. Or the it's a kind of grass plant. It's a grass. It's a grass. Okay. B U R R. Yeah, and it is bloody awful. It is so sharp. It is so painful to remove. It stabbed my finger several times. I just found three more on my shoelaces and it gets bloody everywhere. Okay, I just put it in the show notes. You can okay. check if it's that one or if I should change it. 
Honestly, I don't want to see. I <laughs> you don't want to see it. I don't okay, want to see. Can it. I can I just describe this quickly and then you can yes. confirm? So this is either Senchris or Cancris. I don't know how to pronounce it. Senchris, is a widespread right. genus of plants in the grass family. Its species are native to many countries in Asia, Africa, Australia, the Americas, and various oceanic islands. Common yeah, that's names the bastard. include. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Buffalo grasses, sand burrs with one R ah, and okay. sand spur. Right. Interesting. Yes. Such names allude to the sharp spine-covered burrs with two R's, characterizing yep. the inflorescences of the members of the genus. Yes. Okay. These I'm, are special I, bastards. I have I to ask because, so because the xanthium, the broad-leafed plant, also okay. looks spiky. But oh. this is a genus of flowering plants in the sunflower tribe within the daisy family, oh, native no. to the Americas, Eastern Asia, and some parts of South Asia. Right. And these, I mean, if they are daisies, yes. basically their petals look like spikes. Right. Yeah. These are the Sancris grasses. No, these are not the, the ones. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at Xanthia, it's not the one. Okay. They are real bastards. They get everywhere. They stick everywhere. And they hurt like hell if you get stuck by them. Okay. Um, I'm still traumatized by this and I do not want to explain. But, you know, the wetter than usual wet season means that it's been a very good growing season for them and they are every bloody where this migrant trap. Right. But, you know, migrant trap burning is always fun because, you know, you never know what's going to show up. Mm -hmm. And it's just walking around this patch of, really small patch of trees and then seeing what's flying around above your head. And it's, right. it's a ton of fun. Right. So, I mean, right. you know, New Mexico is a weird place and burning migrant traps. And migrant traps in the prairie can be anywhere from, you know, like at Melrose, which is a clump, reasonably small-sized clump of trees to mm -hmm. literally like, you know, a rest stop with a toilet and a tree there. And all the birds just end up with that tree, that one tree. Right. It's quite remarkable. Right? Do they so, tend to put rest stops near migrant traps? No, like the migrant human traps rest become rest stops because you put a tree there for shade. <laughs> ah, okay, yes. that makes sense. That yes, makes it's, more it's, sense. It's, yeah, it's the other way around, right? The rest stops become migrant traps because there are trees in those areas. Right, right, okay. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I got up at 3am because I wanted to make breakfast, which meant, okay, another long story to tell. Okay. I made Uncle Kue several weeks ago. Okay. From scratch. By hand. Several weeks ago, meaning did you do that in well, New I mean, Mexico? Yeah, in New Mexico. Well, not several. Last week, two weeks ago for a party. There was my boss had a welcome back party with, you know, just the lab. I decided against my better judgment, I should Uncle Kwe. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, right. So, so and I googled it. There yes. is a Wikipedia page for it, but it's yes. red tortoise cake on Wikipedia. Yes. That's what literally what it translates yeah. to. I mean, that's literally what it translates to. Yeah. But it's very weird to see it's like... It's very weird because people think that tortoise it contains cake. tortoise meat. Oh, I, I didn't even make that connection. For me, it's weird to see a picture of Uncle Kue and then right. the label red tortoise cake. That's so it. I have a reasonably good recipe for Uncle Kue with me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't know, and this is, you know, this is something that you only learn if you know the recipe, that yep. Uncle Kue's skin contains sweet potato. I don't think I knew that. Right? Or rather, I don't think I was conscious of it. Yeah. In fact... <laughs> Uncle Kwe's skin is super tedious to make because it has, I think it has three separate components. There is the sweet potato, which you have to boil and then mash into a paste. Uh-huh. Right. And it has to be orange sweet potato, obviously, for the color. Right. Right. And then there is a sort of rice, a glutinous rice dough that is super mm -hmm. sticky that you have to cook into a ball. Right. To make the starch sort of, um, I don't know, activate or whatever. 
right? Until it becomes this really sticky ball that you don't want to be working with your hands because you just stick to everything. Uh-huh. And then there's a bunch of rice and there's a bunch of flour. I think it's rice flour. So you, then you have to combine the sweet potato, that ball of glutinous rice flour and the regular flour and then you have to knead it like crazy until it forms a coherent dough. Right. I mean, that was new. I've always wanted to make a gokwe from scratch. Now I've learned and I know it's a pain in the ass to make. Uh-huh. But because the skin requires sweet potato, I bought a few too many sweet potatoes. You okay. know, purely as a safety precaution, just in case I need, I, I fucked up yes. one of the sweet potato steps. So because of that, I was left with one and a half sweet potatoes in my fridge. I know I'm not supposed to keep it in the fridge, but I have no space on my countertop to keep a sweet potato. And so I figured, what's the best way to make use of sweet potato without making more kukwes? Make pisang goreng? I mean, I would just bake it and eat it, but that's just me. Okay. Yeah, but you know, goreng pisang is quite nice. It's good breakfast food, right? And so I bought some banana as well for the pisang bit, but there's also a variation called goreng, uh, ubi goreng, which is just fried sweet potato, right? You go to the, the mm. goreng pisang store, you can buy a whole variety of different kinds of goreng items including fried bananas, fried sweet potato, and I think fried mm-hmm. tapioca, but I, I don't have the patience to deal with tapioca. I just need to cut in and say that whenever you hear the clicky-clacky noises, yes, that's me putting in short notes. Yes. I yeah. am basically transforming myself into a machi. <sighs> I'm, I'm, okay, next, continue. <laughs> so yes, so because I had one and a half sweet potatoes left in my fridge and I wanted to use them and, you know, I'm going bird watching early in the morning. We're not planning on stopping for breakfast or anything because we're making a beeline for that stupid rare, but it showed up. I got up at 3 a.m. and I made goreng pisang from mm-hmm. scratch. It's not very hard. Mm-hmm. It's just making a batter, chopping okay. your vegetables, okay, coating the vegetables in the batter, then deep fry. That's it. Okay. Yes. So that was quite fun. And then the night before, I cooked uh, like, I, I don't know how to, to es- estimate the volume, but it's basically a gallon of fried rice. For lunch and dinner, which I had for lunch a and dinner. A gallon is about, is slightly over three liters. Yes, I made a gallon of fried rice. I'm not Wow, okay. It. I made a lot of fried rice. Uh, but I shared it with my friends who I was budding with as well. So they, you know, they liked it. It's fried rice. Uh, yeah. You know, it's I a crowd pleaser. I can say why I know that a gallon is slightly over three liters. It's because I had to look it up for Hurricane Sandy. Ah, yes. Um, yes, because Hurricane Sandy was nine years ago. Yes. Around this time. Yes. And all the emergency, I mean, you read the emergency like preparation notes, right? And they're yep. like, make sure you have a gallon of water per day as a backup, right? So like yep. bottled water, basically. Yes. And that's how I know that it's about three and a half, I think. Now I'm doubting myself. Let's see. Gallon, two liters. Yeah. A gallon is 3.78 liters. Oh, that's more than three. That's quite a bit more than three yep. liters. Yeah. Three and a half to almost four Yeah. Liters. That's correct because I bought three large bottles of water per day. So mm. that would be about 4.5 liters-ish. Yeah, That's the amount of fried rice I cooked a, yeah. a lot. <laughs> um, wow. But you know, there were three other people in the car. So, you know, there was enough to go around and then some. I mean, so, three yeah. other people in the car, that's, that still implies that you ate nearly a liter of, <laughs> nearly well, a liter of fried dinner. rice So, today. you know, I mean, I saved money, okay. right? I cleared okay. my freezer of Literally a whole bag of frozen vegetables. All right. And an entire tin of Spam. Okay. So, you know, I'm being economical, right? I don't get paid a lot as a grad student. So, you know, I'm making yeah, you the don't most say. of what I have. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm quite proud of myself. Okay. <laughs> I mean, on the note of eating yes. and food and cooking. Yes. Um, I've basically given up 
on cooking at this stage because I mean we've basically yeah. been in lockdown for one and a half years now, right? Yeah. And at some point I got tired of either ordering in mm-hmm. or of cooking my own food every day. Yes. Yeah. And I figured there has to be some in between. Yes. And uh, that's when, yeah. So what I did was I looked up those companies that essentially deliver not meal kits, but meal plans. Oh. Basically, it's like click, click, click. What do I want to eat this week? And then they just send you a batch of food at once. Yes. I've heard of those. And, and I've had friends who've tried to sell me their, you know, they become influencers for those things. And I've never seen uh, I don't caught know. on. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if. I mean, I don't know what the full range of options that are available. I do know that like every now and then, like I will see a flyer. I'm talking, this is very, very rare. Like once every couple of years, somebody will leave a flyer to say like, hey, for $300 a month, we'll deliver you lunch and dinner every day. Yeah. And those are usually like home kitchens, right? Yeah. It's, it's a stay-at-home mom basically looking it's to side, yeah, it's a side hustle. do something. It's a side hustle. Yeah. For a stay-at-home mom, it's not really a side hustle. <laughs> That's true. It's more like, yeah, what can I do from home yeah. to still make some money? But so, yeah, I don't know the full range of like those, right? Because that's, I wouldn't know how to search for those if I tried. What I looked for is actually in the realm of basically weight class sports, right? Mm-hmm. Powerlifting is the one that I'm most familiar with. Yeah. But you see this a lot in bodybuilding, right? Where because bodybuilders plan out their meals in great detail, excruciating right? detail yeah an excruciating detail like that is often a key component of their sport obviously for people who are not that obsessed but who need to have a, a way to keep track of what they're eating something like a meal service makes sense yes. because then it can be like hey if you buy this this is exactly what we're putting in it and then mm-hmm. you can have like three meals or four meals or, or whatever delivered to you at one not three or four I should say it's more like three or four days worth of food delivered to you at one shot for me the motivation was just I would like to stop paying Food Panda and Deliveroo like three dollars yeah, each time I want services food. for exactly yes and I would like to stop cooking right and so Fair. this is kind of a, a useful in between right? You can order a known quantity of food and it arrives frozen and then you just heat it up. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. And I originally like went and hunted down a few of these and I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll based on like cost and delivery cost and the amount that they are going to send because they have delivery minimums. And it's also not great if you need to order like seven days worth at once because that locks you in for a full week. Yeah. yeah, so the first one, after doing the spreadsheet, <laughs> the one that <laughs> came up Wonderful. at the top was called, and I will try not to wince as I say this, it's called Yummy Bros. Oh, God. It, yes. Oh, okay. So I thought, I was still in the testing phase, right? Of like, yes. I'm going to make an order, try the food. If it's good, I'll stick with it. If it's not, I'll yeah. move on. So actually, it turned out to be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And I've been ordering from them for months now. Okay. Oh, why? Actually, close to close to since the start of the year, actually. So every meal time, I just put the food into steam for about ten to fifteen minutes. Okay. And then I eat, right? Yeah. So that's been very good because I don't have to cook and I don't have to pay horrendous delivery fees. Correct. And this relates to a topic that we were talking about before we started recording, which is I recently switched my main browser to Firefox. Mm-hmm. So before this, I was primarily using Brave. Oh, okay. Which is 
like the privacy focused version or the privacy focused foil maybe to Chrome. Is it a wrapper around Chrome or is it a Not separate thing exactly. Altogether? So it's its own browser. Okay. It's been around for a few years. But okay, let me just Google it so I can like grab all the details at once. Brave, yeah. but I suddenly cannot type. Okay, there we go. So it's actually initial release is 2019. Why do I have a feeling? Why do I have the impression it's older than that? Okay, so it was founded was it in 20. Name? It was founded in 2015. Okay. And I think like the first test versions came out in 2016. But I guess the initial 1.0 release was 2019. Right. So the engine is Chromium. Right. So same ah, okay. same yeah. underlying engine as Chrome, but with a lot more privacy focused features. And also some, in my opinion, unnecessary and strange crypto features, but whatever. I just turned those off. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. And it was founded by... I have no idea how to pronounce his name, actually, although I've seen it a lot. Brendan Ike. Ike? Yes, E-I-C-H. that's how he pronounces it. Okay. Brendan Ike. E-Y-C-K or? E-I-C-H. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Brendan Ike is most famous for creating JavaScript in 10 days. Huh. Yes. That's oh. the story of, that's the famous story of JavaScript. So, he was, oh, he was an engineer at Mozilla. Mozilla needed a scripting okay. language. And so, he cobbled one together in 10 days. And they called it JavaScript, thinking that if people thought it was related to Java, it might increase take up. And from the time it was created up to approximately now, JavaScript programmers have been paying for his cobbled together design. Is that right? Yes. Which, I mean, when you build anything in 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a bunch of jacks. It's going to be weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yep. anyway, yeah, he found it brave. And yeah, originally I tried it because, I don't know, I think I saw a student use it and I was like, hmm, okay. worth trying. And I opened brave and because it is built on Chromium, just like Chrome, yep. most of it looks exactly the same as Chrome, right? Big chunks right. of it are basically the same. They make it very easy to import stuff from Chrome. So your bookmarks, your history, your extensions, they just all come over. Right. Yeah. And they yeah, have built-in yeah. ad blockers and built-in oh. like tracking blockers, which is very nice. Okay, that's actually very right. useful. Instead of having to install an extension. Yeah, like exactly. So yeah. I was using Brave for a few months as my primary browser. I still use Chrome at work because I think when you are at work, you are going to develop for Chrome mostly, right? It's not your personal yes. browsing. But for my personal browsing, on my personal computer, I use Brave. So okay. everything was fine, right? Until Yummy Bros revamped their website. Uh-huh. And their website revamp was very minor, actually. I mean, I think most of the changes happen on the back end. Because I think okay. the motivation for the website revamp was their internal systems, Mm, And suddenly I couldn't load anything, right? Like I will click on like order and then it will just be loading and loading and loading. I will try and, you know, I will click on a particular dish and then it just won't let me add to cart button. will just be loading forever. Mm. And every now and then you refresh and it will actually load. Okay. Right. But a lot of the time you refresh and then it just stays there. And I open the inspector window, the inspect console, right? Because I'm a yeah. developer. <laughs> so I'm like, developer, what's wrong yes. now? 
And you can just watch the number of failed requests pile up. Like I'm watching the number of errors go up like one a second. Right. Right. And then you look at the actual errors. Some of it is failed requests. Some of it looks like just plain bad engineering. Although I don't know what it is exactly, right? Because I don't have visibility into what their backend looks like. Some of the requests look very superfluous. Okay, but then oh. there are so many requests that are just blocked by client, blocked by client, blocked by client, blocked right. by client. I turn off, they call them brave shields, which are all the things that stop the trackers. I turn that okay. off, no difference, right? Huh. I think I may even have turned off like, I may have a lot like third party cookies and I can't remember why else I did. And it was still as intermittent. Right. And then at this point, right. okay, and then I fired off an angry email to Yummy Bros. I was like, since your website revamp, I am unable to use your website. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they replied and they said, I don't know who read the email and replied, but the reply came at 11 something. And it was clearly okay. an actual human. So I feel a bit yes. bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was clearly an actual human that said like, oh, you know, we're very sorry. But, you know, as you know... Um, when you are developing, I didn't say that I was a developer, but he said something like, you know, when you are testing out a product, you might have like 50 people to test it for you, but that doesn't compare with deploying it to 5,000 people. And I'm like, yes, that's fair. But also I shouldn't be seeing these kind of errors, (laughs) but I also don't want to be an idiot and, you know, like reply and be like, do you want to see the screen recording of what's happening on my computer? Because this is, Bad. Well, I mean, in such circumstances, it, you know, it doesn't benefit you, but it's nice to be helpful, I guess. I know, right? But on the other hand, I was like, I mean... You I, are tired, you are pissed off. Yes. And I thought about, okay, what are the chances that there's a decent chance the developers know about it, right? Or that if they well, don't... I mean, honestly, would you want to make that assumption? I mean, as a developer yourself, do you honestly make okay, that assumption? So this is why I said, right? I said, Brave is my go-to browser and it okay. is behaving this way. Yes. And I believe that should be sufficient information. Okay. Right? Rather than yeah, they take can, a... They can, you know, download the browser yeah, and then exactly. run, run it on the... Yeah, Rather exactly. than take a screen yep. recording and say, do you want to see this happening? Fair. Because if it is a problem with the browser, they will see it. If it is a problem with yes. my computer, that's my problem. Yes. Right? So anyway... They can emulate your problem quite easily based on the details you have furnished them anyway. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I was like, well, I still need my food. So... <laughs> yeah. <sighs> you, very, you know, you very well do. Yes, of course. Yeah. So on this computer, I have Safari, obviously. I have mm-hmm. Brave, I have Chromium, and I have Firefox. Mm-hmm. So I decided, okay, let me try Firefox. So I open Firefox... And I open Yummy Bros and I still see mm-hmm. some of the failed requests and some of the duplicate right. requests. And every now and then, it goes into the same like spinning loop as Brave. Oh, okay. But it's much less frequent. Right. And then that made me think, this is a problem with Brave. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I ordered my food and it was fine, I guess. Okay. Then there a related thing. Another thing that I noticed was, so there is this... I'm not going to put Yummy Bros in because I think it's a highly specific... Yes. You know, like nobody's going to be interested unless you are in Singapore and you want a meal plan. But there is this company called Kotopaxi. I think that's how it's pronounced. Okay. The name sounds oddly familiar, but I've never heard of it before. Uh, It's name of a region in Ecuador, I believe. Okay. Oh, maybe that's why. Yeah. And the company, Kotopaxi, they name their... I'm not sure how they name their products exactly. I know some of the products are named after the location where they're manufactured. Okay. So for example, mm-hmm. they have a waste pack called Bataan, 
It's mm. manufactured in Bataan. And mm. okay, so their deal, Kotopaxi, is that they are a certified B Corp. Similar to Patagonia in that sense, actually. They try and manufacture outdoor products, right? Bags, mm. jackets, clothes, with sustainability in mind. Oh, and one of their collections that they are most well-known for is called the Del Dia Collection. Okay. And these are bags where I think there's another one called Teka, which is for clothes, but I'm not as familiar with that. So the Del Dia collection are bags made from offcuts or like excess materials from other companies. Mm-hmm. Nice. So basically, yeah, other companies, they have excess material. It was going to go to a landfill anyway. Kotopaxi takes them and they make bags out of them. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking at one of their bags in particular. I think it's their single most popular bag, which is the Alpa Travel Pack. It's basically a travel bag, but obviously I'm not traveling. Okay, because the oh, fact... Oh, Kotopaxi, okay. Yeah, the, the way that the bags are made, right? You get whatever fabric is available at the mm. time that they are making the bag. And That's so you don't, brilliant. Right? Yeah. You, you don't get actually get the same design. It's just, you know... You the pattern is the surprise same. Surprise me. Okay, okay. Right, the patterns are always the same. Yeah. But the colours and the fabrics will be different. Which I mean, and, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And the people making the bags, they get to decide what colours, you know, are going to go. Know, happy for them to do it for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there are, I mean, for depending on the bag as well, there are some choices where there are some bags where you can choose what colours you want. And there are some bags where it's just surprise. They call them surprise. Although the fanny pack is a little bit obiang. I'm just saying, I'm looking at the website right now. <laughs> I mean, is there a fanny pack that is not obiang? Okay. Yeah, but I know what you mean because their color schemes in general are unicorn vomit color schemes. <laughs> yes, very right. um, eye-catching in a in a neutral sense, shall we say? Yeah, and I mean that's a very big turn off for a lot of people. But I think sure. for the people who really care about it, some of their most popular also bags the color are. Blind. <laughs> yeah, some of their most popular bags, like the All Part, is also available in fixed colors. So if you want it all black, they have an all black version. But obviously, those are not made from sure. materials that would otherwise See, I'm be discarded. Not colorblind, I'm color agnostic. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I've been yes. looking for a very long time to get an All Part that is, uh, shall we say, agreeable colors. Okay. Yes. And I actually just pulled the trigger last week. Because they finally had a oh, round of black ones. Black-ish nice, ones. Okay. Yeah, right now there are some dark colours on, on the all-pass, which is nice. But before that, one day I was on Brave. I was using Brave and I looked mm-hmm. at the Kotopaxi website and I couldn't load any of their Delvia bags. Right. Like it would just say, oops, you know, our llamas are having trouble connecting to the server or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, at first, the first time it happens, you think, ah oh, yeah, server error, no big deal. Happens every now and then. The second day it happens, you're like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, you do the thing, turn off the shields, yep. check. I can't remember if I checked the inspector. You look around like, am I blocking something? Am I blocking like a mm-hmm. cross-site tracker or a cross-site request or God knows what? And yeah, I couldn't figure it out. Then I opened Firefox and I went to Kotopaxi and everything was fine. Yeah. And then that was when I started to be like, okay, now Brave is just, it's starting to actually break the internet for me, which mm, yeah. is not acceptable. Like I get the, blocking, the ad, sense, obviously, yes. blocking ads, blocking trackers, great. But at the point where you block functionality, I think that's a... Yeah, that's breaking a internet, not in the Kim Kardashian sense, but in the <sighs> not working sense. Yeah, exactly. 
So I've been trialing Firefox. I mean, okay. I'm on Firefox Developer Edition, which has oh, the Inspector okay. console. Yeah, I've been trying that. And so far, so good. I mean, okay. I think you can tell in some places that it doesn't feel as slick as Chrome or Brave. I don't know why, but like Mozilla made stuff just feels a little bit clunkier. Yes, um, there's a bit of jank built into the, the I don't know if I would call it jank. More like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel quite as snappy. But that might just be psychological at this point. Okay, um, yeah. Then yeah. there are also little bits, so like, for example. because I'm tired. <laughs> there are also bits like on Not the on the mobile. Know. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the on the mobile version, for example, things are just a bit boxier than I would like. And I think that's also true of the the web version. I mean, or the desktop version. Mm-hmm. Like you just get the impression that they are a bit more angular. I don't know what the word is exactly. Yeah, it just does not feel as polished, maybe. Or right. polished in a different way. I, I really don't know how to describe it. It's just yeah, an impression there is, that I... There is a je ne sais quoi about it that is hard to describe. Yeah, I guess you can put it that way. Yeah. So, I don't know. I doubt I will go back to Brave after that experience. This is the kind of thing that it's very hard to justify working around those quirks, basically. Yeah. 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 So I don't think I've used Firefox in years before this point. Before this, I was always like Chrome or Safari. And I mean, yes. there is an argument to be made for going back to Chrome. But I think, I'm not sure why the hesitance. I think at this point, I haven't actually looked into this. This is purely based on impressions. I think at this point, like I would like to have a browser that that's maybe more privacy focused. Fair. Okay, right. no, I see what you mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and at this point, like, Brave, Firefox, and Safari, they're all positioning themselves as privacy-focused, which tells you that they regard their main competitor as Chrome, which makes sense. Mm, yeah. Right? Safari, I'm personally, I guess, okay Even with Safari. Edge is also trying to market this as well, surely. Yes. Mm. Yes, because, I mean, Chrome has the biggest market share, I'm quite sure. Mm. And I know that web developers have a bit of a bias against Safari because the rendering is a bit janky in comparison with the Chromium and Gecko, which is Firefox engines. Mm. But one thing that I thought was interesting about the Firefox developer edition, which when I downloaded months ago, was that they have developer tools for CSS Grid which mm. is a... Okay, so how much HTML and CSS do you remember? HTML, a decent amount. CSS, I know. Yeah. So back in the day, like 2000, it was very common to use tables for layout. Yes. Right? Oh, yes. I remember those days. Yes, yes very because much so. There were, not, <laughs> there were not a lot of tools for laying out HTML. Yep. And CSS came along and then there was, you know, more tools, but it was still, it was very hard to get CSS to do what you wanted. So yeah. in particular, we had divs and you could make the divs float, right? Yes, and correct. float, I still do not fully understand. Oh man, it right? fucks everything up, doesn't it? Yeah, so you, I would just put a float and a clear and then you yep. can float left, center, right. I don't even know if you can float center. Then you can clear left or right. And then you just try all sorts of combinations until you get the one you want. Um, then after that came Flexbox. And Flexbox is still very common today. But Flexbox was, in my mind, 
it's a bloody miracle because now <laughs> it's predictable. I like, see. Okay. Uh, like for me now as a developer, I can look at a layout and say, okay, these are the CSS commands I'm going to put in and it will look mm. like that. Flexbox is still a bit unwieldy because of implementation details. Like you mm-hmm. end up nesting multiple divs and things like that. But that's another story. And now there is a new CSS feature called CSS Grid. And Grid, let me grab the Mozilla Developer Network documents and put that in. And Grid is going back to the tables all those years ago. CSS Grid oh my. is a way for you to create tables or oh, grids super retro. using CSS. Oh but, no, I mean, well, it's, I guess, full circle, but what a no, circle no, no. it is. But it's much better because the thing about tables is that they were never meant to be used for formatting, right? Yes, they were correct. meant as semantic elements. Like yes. I need to display a spreadsheet or something. Yes. They were used as formatting elements because there was no way to do it otherwise. CSS grid is a way for you to specify that I want a grid on this page. This is how it should be laid out. Right. You can do the same with Flexbox. But Flexbox has the constraint that it's kind of... Okay, I'm not going to go into Flexbox because we're running out of time. But Flexbox has a constraint that, for example, if you wanted to build you know, two rows of two columns, you end up in a situation where you have to, each row is its own flexbox. Okay. Right? And each flexbox is independent of all the others. Yeah. It's not a true grid. Right? You can say that, okay, I want the items in this flexbox to be divided 50-50 and I want the Mm -hmm. items in the second flexbox to be divided 50-50 but they are independent. Yeah. Yeah. Right? The end result looks like a grid but it's not a grid. CSS grid is a grid. It's, X by Y and then each component conforms to that grid. And I mean, okay, I can see how that's actually very fucking useful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think at the moment, Firefox Developer Edition, they actually have dev tools that allow you to see the grid. And I think it's the only browser that still has that. Oh, or, okay. Or that okay. has that at the moment. Mm. It's not super useful when, if you're not using grid, which I don't on a regular basis, I'm still more of a Flexbox user, but I suspect that is going to change moving forward right. because grid is newer. Flexbox is okay. much more established. So I think that was the initial reason that I downloaded the Firefox Developer Edition. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know why. I just didn't go back to Safari. I just went for Firefox instead. And uh, yeah, so I far... I mean, the reasoning behind this is rock solid. Yeah, so far, so good. I did have to install a extension for Firefox to block mm-hmm. ads. So I but have that, Ghostery, know, yeah. which is decent. It seems to I have... I use the... Adblock Plus and I think no mine. No coin, which blocks, you know, mining software from being run on your browser. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I use I Ghostery actually, you know, because it's mentioned positively on Mac Power users. Okay. Uh, mm. Ublock. Is it Ublock or Ublock Nano? Ublock is quite good as well. Yeah. I remember because um, ThoughtWorks has a mailing list for security. And mm. okay. Oh, so is it not good? I, I can't remember which one it is. But I mean, in consulting companies... When a project goes live, that's a yes. go live, right? That's literally what it's called. Yeah. Yep. The security mailing list has a series called Go Wrongs. And that's when security incidents <laughs> happen. Yeah. 
So when security incidents happen and they want to share them with people who are interested in security issues, they will send out an email to the mailing list and it will be titled Go Wrong. Mm. And there was one recently about one adblock software. I can't remember which one, but there was an adblock extension for Chrome where basically the original developer sold it to somebody else and that somebody else basically turned it into a click hijacking extension. Malware. Yeah, malware Mm. basically. Yeah. And what are you going to do, right? If you want adblock, either it's built into the browser like Brave or at some point you have to you have to try an extension, but uh, yeah. So yeah, well, I use AdBlock Plus. I think I deleted UBlock because I think that was the one that was causing problems. I feel like I've tried UBlock before, and I don't remember how it went. Right. Fair. Right. Okay. Anyway, this is rather abrupt, but we are coming up on our one-hour limit. Yes. So you know, the conversation has gone where it has gone. Yeah. <laughs> I yep. yeah. You know, and I'm still interested to cook more. I don't know what I'm going to try next. I'm thinking maybe cooking laksa. I haven't told you about my laksa misadventure. We have five minutes. Uh, Can I squeeze that in? We have four minutes. Five minutes on my clock. Yes. I've been recording for 59 minutes. I'm just going to very quickly say this. I went to Santa Fe for the first time last week. And? I found a cafe to sit down and write in, and they sold on their board, it said they sold Malaysian laksa. Okay. Out of sheer morbid curiosity, I said I'm going to pony at the $10 to buy it. What came to me was a bowl of rice noodles. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. But the broth was purely white. Okay, no comment. It had no flavor. I thought I had fucking COVID. <laughs> okay. I think that's as it good a tasteless. place to stop as any. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. So I might this, want to make luck, my own laksa. But this, this is, is Monkey Mind. Yes, this is Monkey Mind. Episode 28. Show notes at monkeymind.xyz slash 028. See you next month. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.